You are listening to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. Swung on, lines the deep left field. It is gone! It went deep right. Batista's going to wave goodbye. Start the fireworks show. This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 127. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and in this week's episode... We'll get some meatballs for you. Look at some interesting tidbits from last week's games. Trevor Bauer threw a ball very far in the wrong direction. What does it matter for the trade deadline and some other trade deadline thoughts that we have? Talk about Terry Francona, who looks like he might win manager of the year. Uh, Oscar Mercado, who should be up at least pretty close to rookie of the year. And we'll look at the upcoming stretch of games for the Indians, which is brutal and not so brutal for some of their teammates. Uh, joining me for all that and more is none other than Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how you doing? I'm fine, Matt. How are, how are you? I'm doing good. That's doing. good. I'm glad. I'm glad we could have this. Today's game was one of the weirdest I think I've seen in a long time <laughs> for several reasons, but it was it was a nice little week of baseball. Yeah, whoever was controlling the uh, the Let's Go Tribe Twitter account is an idiot and a jerk because <laughs> I believe it was after a certain man had a three-run home run. He, someone tweeted out, that should be enough runs, basically. It was not <laughs> what well, Everybody, for nobody <laughs> mentioned that afterwards, so thank you, Merritt. I'm glad you brought that back up. Well, I, I couldn't watch the game because I was in a car all day. So the only thing I could do was follow Twitter, and that was just seared in my brain. As, as, as soon as, as things guy. went south, I was waiting for somebody to bring it up, but nobody did. And then now here's my nice co-host bringing it up so everybody can remember it. And as the, the score climbed higher and higher, higher and higher, <laughs> there it goes through the roof. Final well, to be score, fair, the whole whatever. tweet was to give some batters to the White Sox, and they really could have used them considering they lost seven to one oh, or eleven to one. Eleven so. to one, they got wailed. Well, they, part yeah, of that's still true. They had to play against Angel Hernandez too, so that's an unfair fight. So, what are you going to do? <laughs> so, man, let's just start with we'll start with our meatballs. Obviously, one of them is not going to be my bad tweets. So, why don't you go ahead and start with one of yours for the week? All right. Uh, so, this is uh, in relation to this week's week of games. This past week is, uh, of games. Uh, Trevor Bauer had two starts this past week. In one of them, he did an amazing thing in that he threw a baseball very far, and I was very impressed. But I'm not even going to lie. It was um, quite a moment. But in the other one, against the uh, Blue Jays, I believe it was, he had a start. He took the lo- he took the loss, or the Indians took the loss. I don't remember which one. Did you know that I had to parse this down a little bit because of, uh, I mentioned this before the podcast, Sam McDowell dominates every single, like, all-time, everything, every amazing thing an Indians pitcher has ever done. Isn't it one time, he actually has a game where he had a game score of 100 while taking a loss. And, I mean, it's just something you can do. He went, like, 10 in for, like, 13 strikeouts or something like that and took an L in that one. Amazing game. Anyway, in that um, loss, Bauer popped off a 79-game score, which is one of his better starts of the year. That is the seventh best since 1980 for an Indians pitcher in a losing effort uh, with no earned runs, which I think was a pretty good feat. Trevor Bauer, actually on this list, there's 20 times that that's happened since 1980 where a uh, Cleveland Indians pitcher has had a game score for 75, which is very good, uh, and had to end the Indians ended up losing, and he has no earned runs. Bauer's on this list actually one, two, I believe three times, which is depressing. Corey Kluber actually had the best, uh, highest game score ever since 1980 while allowing no earned runs. A nine-inning, uh, I, you can't even call it a shutout, really, because he didn't get the win. And he's ended up losing 2-1 to one to actually the Kansas City Royals. Same exact score that Bauer had against uh, Toronto. Uh, Ten strikeouts, uh, one run, no earned runs, two hits. Yeah, remember that was a thing for Corey Kluber for a while, is that he pitched really well and then not get any support. Those were the dark times. That was like 2013 to 2015 where he was just getting nothing. 
That was 2014 he had that amazing start. In uh, 2017, actually, he had a seven-inning, 13-strikeout, no-earned run, three-hit outing. And let's see, is that it? I think he just had the two or three. Yeah, anyway. And then for um, um, for the Bauer start, like you said, he didn't technically get a loss, just the Indians lost. Right, the Indians lost. But that was he the did one. not take the L. Yeah, he that was one of Brad Hand actually blew. because oh that's right, Brad Hand blew it. Okay, although the win probability chart is not pretty for that. It was <laughs> the Blue Jays had eleven percent chance of winning at one point and just shoot straight up as soon as Trevor Bauer goes out. So yeah, so my first one um, is Jose Ramirez. He he is as back as back can be. I wrote a post last week. I, I think a part of it came across wrong that it was I wasn't quite trying to say that he's only face bad pitching is why he's good. It was just kind of like teams just started attacking him weird and he's taking advantage of the kind of pitches he used to hit and. Maybe he's benefiting bad pitches, but either way, he's since his his child was born on six twenty eight. Um, he came back on June thirtieth. Since then, he's slashing three thirty seven, three sixty four, six ninety six late home runs. I mean, he leads the Indians in home runs and um, runs batted in for what that matters. I mean, he's just so good. And then we're over. What are we? Almost in a month of what well, we? Yeah, we're like one game short of a month of sample size now, which still isn't a ton in the grand scheme of things, but. Considering he was bad for so long, this is a big deal, and he's got the swagger back. He's got the home run pitch back, and I mean, even over the last week, especially, he's he has four, four of his eight home runs have come in the last week with nine RBI. So I mean, he is he is Jose Ramirez again, and you can look at like his overall rolling numbers because there was a whole thing about where at one point people thought he's on steroids or whatever, and like his his hard hit rate never really carries him. It's always just his contact rate, and you can see it's it peaked. Uh, earlier in July is like higher than it's been in his entire career. And then it's still pretty high now. And you can see his Wolba slowly going up with it. So he's finally just seeing the ball better and making better contact and not trying to beat the shift every at bat. I assume whatever he's doing out there, it works now. He's just crushing baseballs and it's, it's working so well and it's fun to see. So that's mine this week. I just wanted to give a shout out to Jose Ramirez being back and he's got a child now, which I think either, that could either just the relief of having the child be born maybe if, if that can be a thing because those last couple of weeks are always so intense because you did there's about to be a baby there and you don't know what's going to happen in your life in a little bit so maybe there's like a sense of relief that after the baby was born he could just focus on baseball again or maybe it was just completely unrelated things to that but it's just a neat little marker to draw there that after his child was born yeah then he started to take off and now he's jose ramirez again it is as far as the bad pitch thing i, I believe in jose ramirez a lot more than i do like tyler naquin i think Naquin's is one where it's probably he's benefiting from bad pitching, but Jose at least has several years of being a really good hitter. And maybe it's just the bad pitchers are enough to build confidence. They can do it against good pitchers again or something, but sure. no, same here. But just well, cause you can trust it, right? Because he has what three years of numbers to back it up as goes, as opposed to Naquin who has had two straight years of admittedly injury plagued baseball where he's just not been very good at all. And all of a sudden he's one of the better hitters on the team. There's a little bit of noise in Naquin in particular, but who knows? You know, he, he was always going to be a, a luck-focused hitter, and eventually they're going to remember that he can't hit a certain pitch, but we just won't mention it, and so eventually people, maybe people just keep not, will keep not uh, noticing or something. I don't know. So, we are now, as of Sunday, 60 games into uh, Oscar Mercado's career as an Indian. Not his career career, but, you know, as an Indian. That's all I really care about, right? Um, I, I guess it is major. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm thinking of someone else. Goddamn. Um, I don't know why something about him in the national. Who am I thinking of? I think of someone else. Anyway, moving on with my brain. Um, don't listen to that part. Anyway, yeah, sixty games into his major league career, uh, he has had in that time nineteen multi-hit games. Uh, that number since integration ranks seventh among all Indians players ever in their first sixty games as a player. Uh, it's uh, since nineteen eighty fourth most, and I thought that was. 
pretty damn good. I mean, the Indians were not fantastic between you know for a long time there, but there've always been some good hitters. You, know, you, look, you look at some of these players uh, since 1980. You know, he's better than guys like Kenny Lofton, uh, Jose Ramirez. Yeah, he wasn't that great, uh, but you know they've had some good players. Michael Brantley only had 11 in his first 60 games. Albert Bell. Uh, I think I I don't know. I just think saying that you have more multi-hit games than all the guys since 1980 or for, since 1947 is pretty impressive for a player. Now, this being an Indians podcast, everything always circles back to Francisco Lindor these days. He had 29 in his first 60, which is the best since integration, the second most ever uh, by an Indians player in their first 60 games. Now, 60 games is a weird cutoff. It's about where things start to normalize, I guess. But goddamn, Francisco Lindor rules. And it's every time I remember that. And I'm, in fact, that's the first 75 games. Uh, crank it up to 100. Let's look where Lindor ranks now. And this is since 1980. So again, I picked a year. I don't know. I was using 1980 earlier because I was trying to avoid Stan McDowell. And so now I'm stuck there. Again, again, Lindor still number one, 39 in his first 100 game multi-hit games. He just came in and just blew the doors off. So um, anyway, back to Mercado. Having a great year already. Uh, he had a slump. He's had a hot streak again. He seems confident. I know he may have misplayed a ball a little bit. Um today on, 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 on Sunday, but what are you going to do? Yeah, again, Lindor ranks number one among all Indians players ever since um, integration in multi-hit games in his first 100 games. So this is completely subjective, but on the on the the, uh, the thought process of Mercado getting more comfortable, he's always, we said before that he always has this expression that's a mixture of confusion and anger. I feel like sure. he's lost confusion consistently. He looks just so angry now at the play. He's furious now. He's a furious. I want to go back and look at his his first few games because I swear, like he looked a little more like tentative. Right. Yeah. And now there was he was tentative, but he was still very like scowly. And now he's just like so pissed off when he comes to the plate, and it's great. But he's also such a nice, mild mannered guy. It's just like he has resting Max Scherzer face <laughs> as a batter, which is incredible. <laughs> Max Scherzer has the weirdest smile. I see it all the time with those down here in DC. I mean, he just you know he adver- on advertisements or anything. It's just. I mean, combined with those eyes, he just looks what like a, a crazy person. And I love he looks, it. He's horrifying. He's a goofy <laughs> son of a gun. Um, so my last meatball is just, it's again, Jose Ramirez related because, good Lord, he's really good lately. So I'm talking about him again. Um, it's the whole Jose Ramirez, Francisco Lindor, mini bash brother thing they had going. They didn't, up until a couple weeks ago, they didn't hit together in a home run. They didn't homer together in the same game all season long. Last year, they did it 10 times. And this year, they've done it, I think it was two or three in the last week or last two weeks. So that to me is incredible because that's a good like the, the Indians. Their whole plan coming into the season was to have two superstars in the infield, a really good rotation, and then a competent enough rest of the team. They had none of that for what three, four months into the season, and now they have. If they have this Jose Ramirez Francisco Lagodor combination back, like I, I tweeted earlier that nobody wants to hear it, but if that's what the Indians have, they don't need to add a whole lot probably to still be competitive and hope they can get hot in the playoffs enough. Um, I mean, the issue is just Jose and Francisco not disappearing again in october but if that cannot happen if these two are back like they are now and that they're hitting home runs together again they did it twice in a row this week which is really cool so it's just fun seeing those two play well together and they're being i don't call them a bash brothers that's already the thing although it is kind of there's still a jose so that one song still works from the netflix thing so <laughs> that's kind of great um but yeah jose ramirez francisco Lindor, they're hitting home runs again together again i guess that's mostly i guess just jose ramirez is hitting home runs again because francisco Lindor has not slowed down since he came up uh, I believe he got on base the first at bat of every game of the Royals series. <laughs> so he has been really good. And now Jose Ramirez is really good. And if those two are good, I mean, who cares? Anyone else does. You got Roberto Perez once in a while hitting well. And then 
Jason Kidman's doing every does. Oscar Mercado's hitting well now. So these two just lead everything, as we already know. And uh, Mike Freeman is some kind of weird savant who's also good at baseball now. So He's maybe the, the offense is completely is. terrible now. No, and they were what? The, they were a forecast to win 97 games by baseball perspectives before the season. And then that did right. not take into account uh, everything Ramirez, going wrong. Ramirez falling. <laughs> yeah, everything falling. Yeah, Ramirez falling off a cliff. Lindor disappearing. Kluber getting hurt. Carrasco uh, getting ill. About uh, every literally everything, but it also didn't take into account things like the growth of Clevenger and uh, Bieber and things like that. So if they can get back to something resemble, you know, if things can start going good, you know, Kluber comes back and is good, and uh, Carrasco comes back and is healthy and good. We're gonna get to him in a bit, maybe. But Danny Salazar actually can contribute something. A ninety-seven win pace would probably be enough to win the division at this point, with them being what two games back as of this recording. So. Yeah, no, this is um, what the doc. Plus, like you said, Mercado is hitting uh, Santana. We can't gloss over the fact that he's having literally his best season. <laughs> I don't know, Matt. How yeah, did you it's, forget it's about good Santana? That... <laughs> it's good that he hasn't hit any less good, worse, there you go, than what he hit at the beginning of the season. But now it's just another really good hitter as opposed to the one saving us from everything. So it's kind of nice that Santana kind of blends in now with all the other good hitters. I appreciated him carrying us through the first couple seasons, but I'm glad he doesn't have to do it anymore. But but yes, of course, Carlos Santana hitting well is a, a good thing for the offense. So. God, he really is having his best season. He is. It's a whole comfort thing, man. I'm telling you. Mm. I don't know. Mm-mm-mm. Philly. Phil looks like a mess still, so mm. Philadelphia's disaster. I bought a uh, a Cliff Lee Philadelphia Phillies jersey when I was in New York this weekend. This place had all uh, baseball stuff 20% off except for Philadelphia stuff, which was 25% off. And I was like, oh, all right, Cliff Lee, huh? So I, <laughs> I had to buy it. It's close to the Indians, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I, I, I made a point to drive all the way down to Philadelphia to watch him pitch when uh, his after they, he got traded to the uh, – after I ended up with the Phillies, I was wearing an Indian's hat, and the guy was like, you're just here to see Cliff Lee, huh? In a joking way, I was like, yeah, I am. Exactly. That's why I'm here. <laughs> that, that's exactly why I'm here. Don't talk yeah, to I am. Yeah, I don't care about this stuff. But yeah, it's him. <laughs> All right, so that was our meatballs. They were, we got to get that song eventually. It's going to be here, I promise. Um, I mean, that was if you want to record a song, song unrelated, it. we'll pay you money. <laughs> Real money. Um, so our first news story of the week is that it happened, by the time this comes out, it's two days ago, so hopefully people are still talking about it, but Trevor Bauer... Chucked a ball over the dang outfield wall really hard. This so came cool. in the fifth inning. It was really cool. It came in the fifth <laughs> inning against the Royals. <laughs> Where before that inning, he was doing all right. Like he wasn't. I, there were just some things that didn't go his way quite as well. But then that inning was just a total disaster. Oscar Mercado lost the ball in the sun. I don't. He had his glasses on. He had a hat. I don't know what he wanted him to do. He lost it. There's nothing he can really do. Um, the sun is. And then bright. Trevor Bauer walked a couple. The sun is very bright. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then Bauer, there was a dribbler hit right to him. He couldn't. He tried to flip it with his glove. He just whiffed completely. And then eventually, um, Tito pulled him, I, which I felt was several batters too late. The bases were loaded with no outs, and he still had Trevor Bauer face like two extra batters. Um, and this all came with Trevor Bauer being sick for the last week. He missed several team activities. He he was sent home before games because he was just sick. He would do this pregame warm up, and then he was just they sent him home. But yet he was still in with like ninety pitches and obviously not having it. But then when it was time for Tito to take him out, <laughs> right before he did, Trevor Bauer turned a ball, chucked a ball. Um, just rough estimates going by the fact that the, um, the pitcher's mound is 60 feet. feet. <laughs> if you see the pitcher's mound is 60 feet from home plate and to center field in Kauffman Stadium is like 410. He threw a ball roughly 350 feet, which isn't that crazy for Trevor Bauer considering he does long toss. But he did it. Um, Mike Freeman, if you, I'm sure everybody's seen it by now. Mike Freeman looked like he was fearing for his life because Trevor must have been like looking at him as he was cocking the ball back. 
And Freeman like jumped and looked away and then tried to casual you, about it. I hate you, Mike Freeman. <laughs> and then Francisco Lindor like turned back and forth. Like, did that just really happen? Did I see that? Yeah, Trevor Bauer chucked it over the wall, and Oscar Mercado was out there. I I don't know if it was the angle or what, but it looked like it was a message to Mercado who missed the ball a couple plays earlier. Like he threw it directly over Oscar. And then afterwards, when they were talking I about the apologies and broadcast, true. well, he said that like he put his arm around Mercado when he's apologizing to him, especially. Um, I, they didn't say it's true, so I don't want to. Say it like that, I guess. But you're putting words in Trevor Bauer's mouth, <laughs> sensationalizing the game. Who are you? Who are you? Some sort of Cleveland Indians focus skip Bayless out here? This is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, he did apologize to everybody individually, and they they said he put his arm around Oscar Mercado and paid extra apologies to him. But I don't know. And then Tito had a conversation with him that they didn't want to relay about. I wish I could have heard that. Um, Same. And I honestly, I think yes. for the record, yeah. <laughs> I think knowing, not knowing, but like seeing Tito, I don't think it was like a yelling at him thing. I'd imagine it was more of a, you look like a dumbass and everybody's going to call you out on it, you idiot, that kind of thing more than like yelling. Because I think Tito gets it. Like he was just frustrated and threw a ball, but now you've done this in public and you're going to look like a dumbass and I'm not going to save you is kind of what I would think with the conversation would go. But you must wear um, this one for a while, kiddo. Right. You, yeah, you, yeah, you've made a, a, an uncomfortable bed and now go and lie in it. <laughs> And then after the game, of course, because this is trade deadline season, there were quote-unquote leaks to uh, media members like Buster Olney tweeted lots and lots of industry speculation about how much this incident affects Bauer's trade value. Ugly. Like, no. If if somebody, first of all, like teams traded for Roberto Ozuna as soon as early as last year. The Cubs won a World Series because they had a role as Chapman. People don't care about, teams don't care about this, about character issues, and it doesn't truly affect his value. This is just some executive like saying, oh, Buster, you better tweak this because here's a scoop or whatever the fuck they do. No, yeah, and then he really, just goes and does it because he wants the retweets. The word is and stupid that you're looking for. It's, 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 a, it's a truly a silly take to have. Like, as silly as the idea that this, the, the start itself, like the, the performance, the, you know, not, you know, not throwing a shutout or whatever um, is going to affect his trade value uh, any more than anything. You know, like the, the, Teams aren't going to care about one single start unless he, unless he literally lit on fire or something like that. Seriously, no. It, it's there's there's none there's numb skulls and crazy people all over the place. You know, like I, I know that he and Mike Francesa were the radio personality great uh, Mike Francesa were tweeting past each other over the weekend, and Mike Francesa used this as a chance to say, "See, this is why we can't trade for Bauer and have him in New York because he'll go crazy." <laughs> and I'm like, I was like, come on. I mean, if he uh, wins you like six games down the stretch, you don't care that he goes a little crazy. Who cares? It's yes, it's dumb. No. Well, and, and, <laughs> and that's one. That's one hundred percent the point. Like, if he if he wins games and keeps them in, in first place and honestly solidifies the Yankee rotation, who cares? Like, who cares if he threw a baseball over the over the center field wall in July in Kansas City? It's going to be a, a yet another weird little story in Trevor Bauer's insane career. Yeah, I think this will be like a thing because people even tweeted out right afterwards. This happened before, and we've already forgotten about it. Like um, Chris yeah. Perez did it; or did something similar, and then uh, I'm blanking on who. Somebody else threw one. Albert Bell threw one at a fan once oh, yeah. and injured the guy. So, <laughs> like, this is not <laughs> the worst thing that's ever happened on field. Yeah, and then yeah, and then later signed a, ma- a massive contract with the White Sox. <laughs> yeah, so this is not going to hurt him. Basically, is what I'm getting at here, and and I think what's going to suck either way is that. I still don't think the Indians are going to trade him, and it's going to be a like. There's going to be stupid takes either way. Either the Indians don't trade him, and it comes out as, oh, he was. He, they just couldn't find anybody to take him because his personality is so bad, or they trade him, and it was, oh, they had to get rid of him because his personality is so bad. So, like either way, this builds up the dumbest narrative possible. Yeah, it, well, and that's what it is. Yeah, it's literally like you said, narrative building. It's there's not 
there's just no action going right now. The big trade, obviously, um, what's his name from the Twins, or the, the Blue Jays, rather, Stroman was just traded earlier before recording this. The Indians made some around the margins moves. Uh, big names haven't really been on the move, and baseball writers in particular are getting antsy. So this is a reason, at least, to say something, anything. It's, there, like, there's a reason that is it John Paul Morosi who is very or, yeah is it right? He's the one who guys people just just feed. constantly has rumors. Yeah. Who would, which yeah. are generally uh, assumed to be false, but he still does them because it, it gets clicks, which is, you know, yeah. shitty to think about. But I mean, it's it his gained job. Attention, it's fine, and but... it is his job, yes. But I mean, his other job is obviously corroborating things like <laughs> yes. that. That's, that's yeah, and there's also John Heyman tweeted that um, the, the trade, was it Stroman? He tweeted that, uh, wait, hold on. I got to find it real quick. So Cubs tried for Sogard offering a player that injured the Jays, but apparently Jays like the Rays offer better. Like, yeah, John, thanks. That's That is how trades work. <laughs> The Rays got a trade. They probably got several offers, maybe one from the Cubs, and they liked the one from the Jays more, so they went with the trade with the Jays. Or opposite, the Jays that's, traded with the Rays. But you get the that point. Is that doesn't make any sense. Why would they want the better offer? <laughs> Thanks, John. Damn, John. That's uh, that's the insightful commentary that I that I go to you for. <laughs> it's just weird. Like, this time of year turns all these reporters into, like, and, like, Buster Olney said that. They're like goldfish. Right. Like opposing it. GMs are noting that the Mets give up our bad infield defense and Stroman gives up a lot of ground balls. Like, do you need other executives to read two sets of numbers to you, Buster? Can't you just know that? It's like they, they're just looking for anything to tweet out, even if it's not even valuable whatsoever, just because oh. if, if they say yeah. team said this, it gets a ton of retweets. Oh, and I, and I wonder too, is if, I mean, guys like Olney and Heyman are reporters rather than analysts. So maybe that's just tr- them trying to, you know, maintain wearing the report. You know what I mean? Like they don't want to say, they don't want to make an editorial commentary, even if it does it backed up by numbers. That's Stroman gets a lot of ground balls, and the Mets infield defense is trash. He, he doesn't want to just say that as a as a. That's statement. a good point. Yeah, yeah. Same it's better with, to say like somebody told me this, so he doesn't have any. And same thing with the Heyman thing. You know, it's like it's like he he can't just say you know oh, it was a better deal. Uh, you know, it's so it's um it's couching it in reporting, I suppose, because. Have to say something, just like I suppose he did have to say something about the bow, about Bauer throwing that ball. But I mean, I just you wonder sometimes. You ever wonder what baseball, what sports journalism would be like if it didn't have all the the dumb narrative building within it? Would we like it still? Because there's still stories like that, that we like to listen to and, and enjoy that are like the human side of the game, which is why you know it's part of why we watch it. But also, it's like the, the, the again the narrative of Trevor Bauer is uh, he's crazy now and he's uh, going to be untradeable. That, that's, I think that's, you can do narratives without like being dangerously lying is a thing that I mean and yeah I, I guess like I narratives guess are like the story of baseball is fun like all these stories that pop up throughout the year and like the kind of yeah. stuff that Zach Mizell does getting actual stories at that the right. re- required interviews and reporting are more interesting than just like making up stories based on observations and to be fair like this isn't a new thing this is if you look no, at no, it, no. it used to be way worse like there was no kind of grounding to anything the way that true. reporting used to be true like, outside kind of, of said some things you know right yeah <laughs> like you could they just use the most fantastical adverbs they could in older reports of of like what happened because they were talking before the podcast i'm reading the satch dizzy and rapid robert um book oh which you is mean about like old-timey reporting oh i love that yes shit, i'm man. going that back back that far when it's oh. just like oh no oh that's my shit right there They're like, like, <laughs> he approached him like a like a like, i don't know like a like a tidal wave and things like that yeah, no, <laughs> yes. yeah where it tells you nothing but it just looks prettier on a paper is the kind of thing they used to do so with the flaming arm of apollo he struck <laughs> them down damn these guys got some 
<laughs> and meanwhile, it's like a 74 mile power fastball. Yeah, exa- oh, exactly. Yeah, the- <laughs> Jesus. All right. Was it that good? <laughs> yeah, but it's really. See, that's what I do want. It doesn't build a narrative. <laughs> it just sounds dope. That's what I want. I want. I just want veneer and stuff. I don't want any depth to anything. You know, like you a Tarantino movie. Just, <laughs> just describe it like a movie every time. Then yes, put some yes. soundtrack behind it. And Thank you, you. Yeah, I just want to be zazz. <laughs> I'm gonna be wowed. I want, it's, I want the experience, the spectacle, the spectacle in paper. Yes, thank you. That's why the pitching ninja gifts are so good, especially when he adds things like little swords to them. Oh, that is actually and, and little trails. Because the way he stuff. describes thing is like he describes it as disgusting and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's like what makes it fun. Mm-hmm. You're on it's not just there. here is a pitch, here is a pitch. It's a filthy slider, uh, fastball combo. How do you hit this? You don't <laughs> vomit emoji, vomit emoji, vomit, vomit emoji. Yeah, exactly. X, but it's X, so X, good. X. I'm not like making fun of him. I'm saying I love it. It's like one of my favorite things about games mm-hmm. now. Like when I see a good pitch, I can't wait to see what Rob Freeman does with it. So, mm-hmm. so that's, that's a good what it point. Is. What we, we need is more razzmatazz and less. Um, oh, what's the word? Not not yellow. What yellow journalism is? Uh, sensationalism. We want more razzmatazz and less sensationalist reporting. That's what we want. The point of all this is that the deadline, by the time this comes out, is like a day away. So we're almost done. <laughs> it's the Indians might do something, they might not. They did do one thing, which was acquire Hunter Wood and Christian Arroyo from the Rays. This is a very Indians trade. Very They much. traded Cash and Ruben Cardenas. Um, and they got back a reliever who's been kind of fringy. And Christian Arroyo who used to be like a top 100 prospect. And then he's he's been injured. So, I mean, if he comes through for in, in like 2020... And that's an easy replacement for Jason. Jason Kipnis, really cheap, and that's another great trade they have. So, oh yeah, the Indians crush. Someone else uh, they did something recent, like the last couple of days. Where like, over the last decade, the Indians have won forty three trades to, like during the trade deadline. That's a lot. That's quite a few. So they're 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 one, definitely one of the best trading teams and in, in finding ways to value future talent. It's really quite impressive. Yeah, and they always seem to find it without like the guys that have the big like big yeah. stats or anything. It's just the guns that come out of nowhere. And I mean, even when they when they go the other way, I mean the the biggest obvious example is the is the um, Andrew Miller deal. You have to call that an objective win for the Indians. I know he's not on the team anymore, but like, what's his name? Doesn't oh, absolutely, play. yeah. Uh, you know, Frazier doesn't have any space to play. Uh, Justice Sheffield is somewhere, but not playing in the majors. And that, those are the those are the names in the in the deal, really. So. And I mean, even last year, it's maybe too soon, but Francisco Mejia isn't looking great for the Padres, and yeah, they got Brad Hand and Adam Simber out of it. So, and honestly, like the, I mean, Hand is going to turn into something else, and Simber's going to be throwing relief for them for the next six years. So, whatever else happens, it's, uh, it's, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm leery that they're trading with the Rays because you're never going to win against the trade. The trade against the Rays, they always seem to win everything, and I hate it. But, (laughs) but I'm always just shocked when the Indians make one of these trades and people still don't. They're still upset by it, like. The whole team is built on these. Chill out. This is what they do. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they, they get they, these they, players. I, I would like to see deal. a big name I know too. Like I want Yasiel Puig, damn it. Or I want um, Domingo Santana, who I saw today they were interested in. Like I'm okay with either of those guys, but I also know that they need these kind of trades for the future. It's just what they do and they're really good at it. So I do think that the deal that does make the most sense, I think, is, is the Hunter Pence one. Just because he's old and cheap or with a, it's not a long-term investment, so he wouldn't cost a lot, I don't believe. Yeah, he's the next like Jason Giambi, Mike Napoli. He's super good in the clubhouse. So right, that's the thing. And and right now he's still playing, like, playing well. You know what I mean? He's popping off a one twenty five OPS plus. He'd be one of the three or four best hitters on the Indians. Uh, he's a free agent what, at the end of the year, right? Yeah, so I think that was just a rental. For, yeah, yeah, exactly. But he's only making two million dollars this year. So I mean, the which the value the of rentals aren't... is going down so fast too. The future I see for the Indians is doing like these trades for Christian 
a Royal and then a cheap rental for hundred pence once in a while. Like, I don't think they're going to get the multi-year control guys who take a ton of prospects. They're going to get, try to get those guys on these under the radar deals and then get the rentals as the big name yeah. things of the deadline. So that's what they appear to be doing anyway. Actually, I mean, Pence has even played 166 game, uh, innings in the outfield this year. So they, the outfield is not great for the Indians right now. I don't care what anyone says. And I'd prefer Pence over Bowers right now, hands down, you know. Right field's fine, obviously. You have a you have a platoon out there of Lupolo and Naquin, and that gets the job done. But putting him in left and then de-aging also, that, that works for me every day. And no matter who they get, they're going to be under Terry Francona, who is... Somebody brought this up, and I don't remember who, but he's Tito. If the Indians win the AL Central, he's the manager of the year, right? That's that's pretty much what we're going for here. It's it's basically whoever wins between the twin, Twins and the Indians. Either Rocco Baudelli wins in the twin because the Twins are so good for so long and they wasn't expected, or Tito because he quote unquote navigated or whatever you want to call it when the Indians were so bad and he brought them back to life. Um, so I guess I just want to know how you feel about this. The idea that. I can't think of anybody else who would be manager of the year over, I guess maybe, um, why am I blanking on the Yankees? Aaron Boone? There you Aaron go. Boone? He, I mean, they, they really have been blowing the doors off. So I, I, and I mean, they had it, a bunch of injuries, so it's between them or the AL Central winner. I, I would think it would be Twins. Baldelli has to be the, the front runner for, yes. I would think he's, he's the front runner for uh, manager of the year right now. I mean, unless the Indians win the division and the, the Twins tank it, so right, <laughs> exactly. Like... And that, well, that's why I say he's the front right now. If they do, if they do end up making only, the, even if they make the wild card, I, I could be talking into that. It's a weird, it's a weird thing to think that the Indians would have the manager of the year after being so dreadful. But you can definitely convince yourself that you know they were able to manage their way back. You know, Francona pulled all the right levers throughout the season and was able to manage them back into contention. It just seems silly, like I said, because they were they were so shit for. Months, just months, and now they're just finally playing the way they're supposed to. Is that manager of the year quality? I don't know. I'm not really sure. Man- going back to narratives, the narrative is going to make it that that it is because it's going to be that all Tito brought him back, which I don't think it's terrible. I don't. Like we've talked about the fact that he doesn't have, or I have anyway, that he doesn't have the best in game decision making, and then he he makes up for it with his interpersonal skills with the players mm-hmm. occasionally, and then I also think like even stuff like batting Mike Freeman third and keeping him third. When he was replacing Carlos Santana, that that's it's fine. <laughs> like individual game lineups doesn't matter. No, but he kept him there to not shift everybody else around. Jason Kipnis talked about it after the game yesterday. Called people on Twitter idiots for questioning Mike Freeman batting third because it was so obvious that that's the only reason he was there because to keep everybody in their same place. So maybe that's another like when they look back on the season, that's another plus for Tito that he kept these guys situated where they are and in their best position to succeed which i again i don't know if that's quite true that it doesn't you're not going to succeed better because you're fifth but maybe if there's some kind of superstition to it or whatever maybe it does work and that's another reason for tito to be good but i don't know i, I have problems with tito and the bunning thing and some of his roster decisions whatever he, he is involved in but if he gets it i'm i'm not against it whatsoever i think he still is a really good manager it's a, still a net positive it's just some things he doesn't do great that are really frustrating and others he does super well so i think uh, it's fine either way on the other side of that, of course, is the fact that Jason Kipnis has played in 83 games this year. <laughs> and uh, and batted played, clean up in almost all of them. No, he's batted second twenty-one in 21 games, third in three games, and fourth in 30 games. So he's batted. <laughs> and just want to throw it in because it, you don't know, have a real half. He, one of the, he batted fifth twice, too. So that is, that is roughly too many games, Matt, is what that is. <laughs> a rough estimate. Did you run the math on that of, one? Of, wait a minute, that seems high, uh, is, is how I see that. And, but, I mean, that goes uh, back to one of his faults again, is that he has his guys, and 
good lord, he'll use them till they're dead. And will, he Jason Kipnis should not be used dust. anymore. I mean, over, over the last seven days, he does have a 901 OPS. And over the last 14 days, it's 802. And after those 28 days, it's 708. Don't go, don't go that far. No, no. We only anyway, go to where our stats back up our story, Merritt. That's how we do stats. Let's go back to 14. Yes, there we go. We're still in 304. <laughs> perfect, perfect. There we yes. go. He's good. He's back. Jason Kendrick is back. Oh, oh there we go. Ooh, you know what? No, fuck that. I like this one where he has an on-base percentage of 467. Yes, yes. This is my Joey Votto. Yes, yes. Now, one of the, the things in Terry Francona's corner for being manager of the year is, remember when Oscar Mercado came up and there was the whole like the picture of Tito with his arm over him and there's this whole vision of Tito putting Oscar Mercado under his wing and all this so I mean we can talk about Mercado is is super pretty okay now I think I'll go with he's just a, he has his struggles once in a while but he's whether it has been Tito or he's talked about and he, he's looked at Lindor for help too when he was struggling so I mean I think everybody's helped Mercado just get to where he is which is really cool um and then he's sixth in rookie AL WRC plus right now at 113 he leads in stolen bases so i mean there's there's an argument there especially if the indians win and do well and i also think there's the aspect of the fact that he's a center fielder he, that's one of the like flashy positions as far as voting goes so that might get him some votes but i think there is a real case for oscar mercado to be rookie of the year and i want it just to avenge tyler naquin and francisco lindor both losing because if he gets to the finals or close again and he loses narrowly again i mean first of all it's good for the indians they have three really good rookies <laughs> like what is this four years apart so that's that's very good news for them, but I want Mercado to win it to be to avenge it for Lindor and Naquin. But I think the the truth of the matter is it's going to be the guy from Houston, Jordan Alvarez. Like, there's oh, no chance well, yeah, Mercado wins. but come on, <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> we can dream for a little bit, but because I was looking oh. trying to put this part of the because I wanted to talk about Austin Mercado either way because he's good. And I think he's in the running, but I looked at like the leaderboards for rookies and then, oh, okay. oh God, <laughs> man, I don't know. Jesus <laughs> it's, it's, he's not going to win, but <laughs> Jordan Alvarez is so good. Jesus I, I was looking at his numbers yesterday. But have you seen Mercado um, run? He's, oh, no, he can oh, run. very fast. See, and that's the thing. You can talk yourself into it because he plays a premium defensive position. And he's part of the better story, too, if the Indians come back and win the division. And like, again, it helps, like, as it helped Tito. Because probably AJ Hinch is a better manager, but he's not going to get manager of the year. <laughs> but because the Indians are coming back from being so bad, and it's going to look like Oscar Mercado helped drag him up from nothing, like the the Astros are just good, and nobody cares anymore until the they're like the the last year's Indians, they're just dominating the division. But so maybe this year it's it's Mercado's turn to to grab the headlines of being the big savior center fielder um, rookie. And then there, there was a couple weeks ago <laughs> there was a graphic that was like best center fielders in the league, and Mercado was third. Which I thought was really cool, but also what? <laughs> so it was Joey Gallo, number five. Number four, Byron Buxton. Number three, Oscar Mercado. Number two, Ramon Lariano. <laughs> number one, Mike Trout. Lariano's not even is. good defensively. He just has a cannon for an arm. Um, who is he? The A's guy, the one who always has these big throws, but he's not really a great route runner or anything. Um, that is that is a list, man. I mean, I guess that was only AL. That's American League center fielders. And Joey Gallo is a center fielder? Is that true? You know, I mean, who else is going to play center field for that team? Quite honestly, if you look at their, you look at their roster, know, this, this whole graphic is just so weird. <laughs> it's, yes, I didn't of, even yeah, care for Mike Trout, but, but yeah, maybe it's things like that where these big networks just take take notice of Oscar Mercado being a big flashy center fielder because I mean, apparently, doesn't have much competition <laughs> as far as outfielders go. Yeah, right. I mean, Ramon Liriano and the injured Byron Buxton is there. The other guy's pretty good too, I guess, but you know, whatever. He doesn't count. Mike Trout. Trout. Is that how you Trout. say that? Trout. 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 Mike Trout. Is Mike Trout. <laughs> but yeah, he's in the running. At least I think we can say safely now. He's the, really the only Indians rookie. Uh, Bobby Brown is probably going to knock out into the year. No, um, no, I don't think he plays baseball in the majors anymore, <laughs> Matt. Sadly, 
<laughs> well, <laughs> I, think all actually, the pitchers. I mean, Zach Plesak's been fun, but he's not going to be a rookie of the year candidate. So, well, I don't know. Pitchers are an interesting one because a pitcher is the one that stole it from uh, Naquin, right? That was when, um, yeah, that was the Tigers, the uh, Tigers pitcher, um, yeah, that one guy. Yeah, well, I think that's what matters the most is we just we, we've completely forgotten who that man is. I mean, he came in third behind <laughs> Fulmer and Gary Sanchez. There you go, Sanchez, Fulmer. Sanchez, Sanchez, Sanchez probably should have won rookie of the year that year, I think. Yeah, whatever. He had, he had 109 home runs in, in 10 games or whatever it was. <laughs> but Nick would in the horn thing. That's what matters. Nick oh, that's right. He had, the, what, he had probably the greatest single moment in Indians history. That whole series was great. Because was, that was also the one where they played like 19 innings and Trevor yeah. Bauer came in late. And mm-hmm. yeah, that was a fun one. No, that was a different series because that happened up in Toronto, didn't it? Didn't this happen in Toronto too? No, no, that happened in Cleveland. Yes. Damn it, Matt! Don't you remember all the big <laughs> moments of Indians history over the last several years? I remember Rajah Davis at a home run. Does that one count? I can. Uh, I know that one. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty sealed in my brain too. Did, I do always get the the Blue Jays ones confused because I always think of. Are you sure it wasn't in Toronto? No, it was because he was Toronto in moments included shaking in his boots. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, what else? They had a uh, lot of good things against the Blue Jays that year, didn't they? Oh, that was oh yeah, oh yeah. There was a there was the long game. Uh, God, yeah. the game was so fucking long. <laughs> there was um. What else happened? There was Jose Batista. He said something. He was just being a whiny baby at one point. I that. Yes, there was the circumstances thing. Maybe there you go. But, that's the one. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's see. What and then it was happened? Carlos Santana's catch on his knees, mm-hmm. which there is a pretty was, iconic moment. Uh, Andrew Miller getting one billion strikeouts. Man. Winning an MVP, coming in, in the fifth inning every game, it seemed like that was fantastic. That was so cool. That was a fun series. I really, like, I really enjoyed that LCS. So yeah, we'll, we'll finish with. We're not doing questions this week because we have. I guess we just talk about it now. We're going to do a new podcast where we'll probably record on Tuesdays. It'll go up on Thursdays. It's going to be called the Hot Take Corner Podcast. Where then we're going to take your questions, hot takes. We'll have like a rotating cast of people to do it. The first couple episodes might be just a consistent number of people just to get used to it, but. We're eventually going to figure something out to where anybody can do it and then just come on and answer questions and just talk about weird takes that people have. And it's going to be fun. It'll be another show to have on our, I guess we're going to Let's Go Tribe Network now that we can have and you can listen in more ways instead of just stretching out individual episodes with questions so we can talk about more things that we can choose and curate to talk about besides just questions. But And stay tuned for my podcast that I'm hosting by myself. Matt doesn't Come know on, about man. it yet, it? but don't worry about it, Matt. I'll tell you later. Also, on go the on, Matt. Describe it. What is it? It's go called on, Not a Baseball Podcast. And I'll just talk about whatever's <laughs> on the top of my head for about an hour. It'll be great. I promise. Most my of it's cat, food Char- or Red Dead Redemption. My cat, Charlie, will be involved. I'll do things like spoil movies for you. For instance, <laughs> I saw the new Tarantino movie yesterday, and here's what happened. So the upcoming stretch of games for the Indians, they will be, uh, it's going to be goddamn awful, Merritt, is what we're going to get at now. Quite right. Is that the, uh, <laughs> the last, I mean, we like to exaggerate in the world of baseball and say that games matter and series matter and stretches matter when they really don't. But I think it's safe to say the Indian season comes down to the next six series, six, seven, when they play the Twins again. Um, they had a day off. On Monday, and then um, before that, they played a lot for as a as a they had a homestand, and then they went on the road. There was no breaks in between. And after this, they play a bunch of games. All told, it's twenty eight. It's twenty seven games in twenty eight days. And coming up after the break, they play the Astros, Angels, Rangers, Twins, Red Sox, Yankees, which is just brutal. Uh, for the rest of the season, the Indians have the eleventh hardest strength of schedule at five oh four. The Twins have the lowest strength of schedule at four sixty six. So it's really going to come down to the Indians have to be a considerable better team than the Twins. Um, the Indians have beat up on some bad teams, but I also think it comes down to 
there's the team that's good enough to beat those bad teams. And maybe it's going to turn out that the twins aren't like their pitching might just be so bad. Even with Sergio Romo, <laughs> their big acquisition at the deadline, maybe he's not enough and they just can't beat these gosh darn scrappy Royals enough. And Lord help us. We're going to need some help with the twins because it's a brutal stretch of games coming up for the Indians. I mean, you're right, obviously, because it is, but that all being said, the Rangers are over 500, but by a game and they're definitely in a tailspin. They just lost their best hitter. Um, they're probably going to start selling off pretty soon. The Angels are the Indians beat the Astros um, in a series already this year. They can do it again. Uh, the Red Sox are not as good as they were last year. The pitching's just not there, and then the Yankees are very good. Then they get the Mets. So I've already worked my way all the way through to another Royals series, and then Tigers. Series. Did, you, did you see how many runs the Red Sox just scored against the Yankees over a full series? Have you seen the, the Yankees <laughs> pitching staff over the last two weeks? It's literally made of paper mache and garbage. That's true. Like, it's nothing. They don't have a pitching staff anymore. And also, I just, I don't know, the whole, you know, they always say you can throw out these games or whatever, but it's, 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 it's the pitching staff is so bad. I assume they're going to get somebody. I don't know who that somebody will be, but I'm not really, I, it's, it's harder. It's hard for me to get too worried about the Red Sox uh, because of, I mean, I know they're good, but I think the Indians are good now too. And they're going to be better. I would think after they make some additions at the, at the, at the trade deadline, I don't know what the, what the Red Sox are going to do. Quite honestly, but the Indians have a better number one starting pitcher. The Indians have a better number two starting pitcher at this point. Um, have a better number three, probably. If their number three is Trevor Bauer at this point, right? Yeah, their number three would be Trevor Bauer. And I think he's probably better than Eduardo Rodriguez at this point. So I've already worked my way through starting pitching. And then when it comes to hitting, the Red Sox obviously win that because they actually have professional hitters on their team. Uh, I, I don't want to break down every single series. I could do that. I have time. <laughs> That'll be part of Merritt's own podcast. That's where he part, talks that's about, part, yeah, that's he it, spoils yeah. movies and in between breaks down individual series for the yeah. for the Indians. It'll be great. You'll love it, guys. You'll love it. I'll take callers and everything. How will <laughs> There's I do no it? warning. You just spurt out <laughs> random movie spoilers. Yeah, old ones, new ones. Turns out, uh, what's his name? And it's a Wonderful Life. Couldn't lasso the moon. Could never do it. It's uh, so there you go, guys. <laughs> Now, after the stretch, the Indians do, I think as you were getting to, is they, it does break yeah. into a little easier. Yeah, they too. hit the, the Mets, Mets who are going to probably, I can't do it, to, I don't know. The Royals are probably going to sell it a little more. The Tigers are too. Uh, then they have two against the Rays for some reason to wrap around the end of, oh, never mind, it was three. I can't read. So, you're right, Matt. It is definitely not a comfy schedule, but there's a lot of games in there against the Twins too. And those are really the only ones that really matter. I, there's only three series, I think, in the next month that are truly troubling that the Indians are going to have to really fight tooth and nail for each win. And that's the Astros, Yankees, and uh, Red Sox. I think, anyway. Maybe that's a little bit overly positive of me, but they're performing better than they, ever, than they have all year. And the Twins are starting to falter. I know they're not falter, they haven't faltered, but they aren't. They've come down to earth a little bit, I think, haven't they? Maybe they haven't. I don't know. Yeah, it, though they definitely have compared to what they were at the beginning. And well, if they faltered even a little bit, like it's all moot anyway. Then the Indians yeah, are going to well, trample well, them. So yeah, I mean, considering they just blew a ten a ten game lead, uh, <laughs> that's that is usually a sign that you're kind of slipping a yeah, little bit. Yeah, that that that, that, <laughs> that is a falter, I suppose. <laughs> so they and granted they did have to play the the Yankees and the Yankees um, owned them. So yes, it's a tough tough run for the Indians. It was going to happen eventually, but well, what are you going to do? You, you play the teams in front of you. I think maybe you're selling the Angels and Tigers or Rangers a little bit short, especially the, considering they have to yes, face all these teams duh, in a row. dude, come on. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I the think... Angels are good. They obviously have the best player in all of baseball, who's amazing. If anyone gets a Shohei chance Otani? to... Shohei Otani? Oh, yes, Otani-san. That's right. He's also playing. 
And then, of course, they finish the season near you. They're going to face the Nationals twice in a row, three in a row. I want to lose two of those. I'm excited. It'll be fun. You could potentially be seeing like the Indians either winning the division by half a dozen games or you're going to be watching a very stressful game in Washington. Are you going to go to the, the finale? Are you going to try to do that or just going to the other two? Or you're not going to really care? I don't know. Just get two tickets? Uh, my, I don't know. My brother has uh, tickets and one already. So maybe I'll just go to the last game of the season. It'll be fun. Yeah. The last time I went to a Yankee or an Indians game, Corey Kluber broke his arm. So I, on second I, thought, I, stay the fuck I, away. Do I'm not go to those games. This goes, this goes a little bit more positively. I mean, you could be watching like the Nationals need a win and the Indians need a win oh, in no. the last there's, game of the season. There's a decent chance that it could be a legit, you know, big time for both teams. So our correspondent in the season finale of the game, which hopefully yeah. at that point won't mean anything, but who knows? Maybe it will. Yeah, we could podcast that. It'll be great. We could. Yeah, we could do that. We can do emergency it, pop-up podcasts. It's a date. And then I can do another episode of my podcast, not oh, a baseball God. podcast, featuring Merritt Rolfing. <laughs> At the end, everybody dies. He was dead the whole time. He was a ghost. See, maybe you just don't say what the movie was and you spoil random movies interspersed between baseball or, news. Or I confuse the, the, the twist. Turns out <laughs> they built an interstate in the, the 1600s. Don't know how it happened. <laughs> Turns out everyone was a ghost except him. It's just a, a country of ghosts? Is that what the... Yeah. Is that the sixth sense? That's what the seventh sense is. Turns out the ghost. water was full of acid. Turn, <laughs> just working my way through turns, nice Is that what the podcast is called? It's called Turns Out? There yeah. It's called it's Turns Out. <laughs> turns out he had to get out of that house. Turns go. out. Let's see. Anyway, that's, that's what I got. <laughs> that's all I got too, Merritt. That's going to be our show this week. Uh, anything? I haven't done this in a while. Anything fun you got coming up, baseball related otherwise, you're doing next um, week before we talk again? Or actually, I guess we'll talk in two days. But next we'll week, we'll talk in two days. Not really. Before not. we talk um, about the Indians laying, specifically, laying pretty low these days. Uh, <laughs> I've been a lot of money on having too much fun in my life. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's about where I am too. Except kids and counts. I might got more go Switch to a, games. That's fun. Might go to a Bowie Bay Sox game. Got a lot of got a couple more free. Look at money bags over here. Well, they got them Bay for free. Sox. So Bay Sox. Okay. I'll go to my local independent town. league team. Oh, yeah, well, I go to I go to big time double A <laughs> games. I get to watch the double A uh, team for the Baltimore Orioles. Go you, Uniel Uniel Diaz. Is that his name? Sure. Ah, right, it's, it's this dude who plays left right field with a fucking laser cannon of an arm. <laughs> I mean, God, well, dude, he, go. he was the, he was the name the main guy they got back in the Machado deal, and he's just got a cannon, man. Who baby? So yeah, that oh. that's my big baseball plan. So there you go. If you want to come down, anyone wants to come down, and go to a baseball game with me. I got free tickets. <laughs> And on that note, we'll talk to you next week. See you later, Matt. See you.